This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. This is the Informer Daily from Monday, the 6th of April, 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, your COVID-19 update. How can you keep your Zoom meeting safe from a Zoom bomber? Why are people burning down mobile phone towers in the UK? And Eurovision 2020 is cancelled. How are fans supposed to cope? We talked to Liam from Joy Eurovision to find out more. Iceland and Malta being two of the three countries in it for the longest without a win. So it, it kind of feels like we've been robbed of one of the plucky younger small countries coming up and taking it. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with your Joy 94.9 COVID-19 update for Monday the 6th of April. New South Wales' COVID-19 death toll has climbed to 18 following the death of two elderly men in Sydney. And in Victoria, a man in his 50s and a woman in her 80s are the most recent fatalities. The national coronavirus death toll stands at 39. In a rare special address to the Commonwealth, Queen Elizabeth has urged people to practice self-discipline and resolve in what she describes as a challenging time. Frontline health workers were also thanked during the address. Queen Elizabeth has only made five addresses of this nature in her tenure as monarch. Despite efforts made by unions and Labor, the federal government is remaining firm in their criteria for accessing the JobKeeper allowance. Current criteria mean casuals who have been with a business for less than one year will not be eligible to receive the $1,500 fortnightly payment. Attorney General Christian Porter says casuals who can't get the JobKeeper allowance can apply for the JobSeeker allowance. Local newspapers will receive some help from the federal government as they have pulled forward the next round of funding under the Regional and Small Publishers Innovation Fund. This move unlocks $5 million that can be accessed by local newspapers through an application process. Regional newspapers have been struggling since the outbreak of COVID-19 due to advertising revenue drying up. The United States is stockpiling a drug used to treat malaria because of claims it could be used to treat COVID-19. President Donald Trump says the country has bought a tremendous amount of the drug and now has around 29 million doses. There is conflicting evidence as to whether the medication has any effect on COVID-19. A World Heritage National Park in China is being forced to close after more than 20,000 visitors flocked there after lockdowns were lifted. Pictures of large crowds at the Yellow Mountains Park emerged a day after China held a national memorial for the victims of COVID-19. Although many of the tighter restrictions have been lifted in China, some health measures are still in place to prevent a resurgence in new cases. The ACT is switching to random testing to actively look for community transmission. The criteria for testing will be loosened to include some people who have flu-like symptoms but don't meet any other guidelines for testing. 
The Ruby Princess is the only cruise ship left in New South Wales waters. The ship will be docked at Port Kembla for the next 10 days. 600 cases of COVID-19 and 11 deaths have been connected to the ship. Western Australia's hard border closure came into effect overnight, marking the first time in history that the state has closed itself off from the rest of the country. Premier Mark McGowan says this move is required to protect the state, comparing it to Brexit. Victorian authorities have issued 108 fines to people and businesses breaching social distancing restrictions in the last day. These fines follow nearly 1,000 spot checks conducted across Victoria as part of Operation Sentinel. Beaches across the Gold Coast are now closing from tomorrow to ward off a growing number of -of out-of-town visitors who are coming to the area. Locals will still be allowed to walk and exercise on the beaches. You're listening to the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. People working from home and physical distancing has been a boom to a few companies, and among them are companies that provide networking and video chat software. Zoom has come out as a leader in that field, but there are some security issues where people have crashed meetings, played pornography, or more. I spoke to Stilgarian, a ZDNet journalist, about what's happening and how you can protect yourself. So there's been a lot of... of stories lately about people using Zoom and having their meetings crashed, whether it's by somebody who's playing pornography or, strangely enough, the comedian Hamish Blake. <laughs> Can you imagine anything more horrible? <laughs> uh, I mean, there you are in your private group chat enjoying yourselves and suddenly, Hamish Blake! I'm not taking this seriously enough because it is actually causing problems for uh, for family group chats where mm-hmm. people just pop in and do inappropriate things in front of the children uh, or business meetings where you certainly don't want people listening to your confidential data. Um, mm. And Zoom, how I see this is that Zoom had become and has become a really easy-to-use group video chat thing and certainly easier to use than than many of its competitors and it's free at the lower levels. But they made some, uh, shall we say, shortcuts along the way and over the last probably 18 months or so, they have slowly been revealed. Certainly the the Mm. middle of last year, there were, hey, you can crash into meetings and you can do all sorts of other nasty things and you can post a a link in the chat that goes with it, but it's a malicious link and and maybe you can access files on the user's computers and things like that. That, All of that stuff has become uh, a lot more obvious now that we're all in lockdown and, of course, everyone is using it. And how do people prevent stuff like this from happening? Oh, look, there's a, there's a whole lot of things you need to do. And there are some really good guides around. I just uh, uh, Googled on my favourite search engine how to prevent Zoom bombing, and some really good checklists came up. One of the most important is, is like, just don't give away the chat ID, the hosting ID mm-hmm. for the meeting. And I've mm-hmm. seen people posting, hey, here's our family all together. Here's a screenshot. And right at the top of the window is their meeting ID. Uh, yeah. So that means literally anyone can bounce in. Okay, it is a nine-digit number, but when you've got tens of thousands of, of badly behaved people guessing numbers at random and maybe mm. using an automated approach, they can come in. So use a separate ID. You can have a, a unique meeting ID for every meeting instead of just one mm-hmm. for yourself. That's good. 
turn on the waiting room thing, and that means you can vet who is trying to join the meeting before they can can come in. Uh, there's a whole lot of settings such as don't allow someone to join the meeting before the host has joined and turn off certain control functions. All these guides have like checklists to, mm-hmm. to go through. And then once everyone's in, just lock the meeting to any outsiders and, yeah. and, and you're done. Uh, and th- those guides do have hints about, okay, you've, you've somehow got a Zoom bomber in there. How do you get rid of them? And, and there are ways to lock them out and then you, you oh, turn on the waiting room and get rid of them. So it's basically something you just need to turn on, check your privacy settings in a way the same as you normally would with Facebook or Twitter or, mm-hmm. or you know, WhatsApp or, or whatever. Just, just go through the list and be aware that it's happening. Well, over the weekend, All the Queen's Men, which is a LGBTIQA plus uh, social dance group held a virtual meeting and they did use the waiting room and each person who joined into the digital dance club got vetted by one of the organizers and then let in so it was hugely successful and no one crashed it yeah i i really think that um zoom has done a fantastic job they've really solved how to make this process easy and Look, some people have said, oh, they, they, they cut corners and, and, and did bad things along the way. But to their credit, every time a problem's found, they're being quite open about it. They've mm-hmm. made changes. Uh, they, they put up a blog post saying, okay, that works like that because we made this design decision. But, yeah, we get your point. There's a new version coming out tomorrow and, and yeah. all of those things. So if they get this right... Um, they could, you know, absolutely kill it in a business sense from from all the other competitors. Mm-hmm. So to run through the the tips for Zoom, um, obvious first one is to keep your software up to date. Yep, always, and make sure the other people in your meeting are doing that as well, which can be a challenge with some older people. But <laughs> there are lots of tutorials online. Yep. Um, like I, you know, I've had to be family IT, and I've just forced all of my family to get Apple products because they're uh. so standard. And everyone who's had a problem has made a YouTube video that I can just point someone to instead of trying to be like, "Okay, you have to do this." Isn't this a brave new world? Because you know, geeks, geek, geeks like us always end up being you know, family IT support or whatever. Mm. Uh, but yeah, point them at the videos. Don't. And someone else has already worked this out. Something yeah. I used to do when, when running an IT support company is I just told people, look, chances are you are not the first person in the universe to run into this problem. So if yeah. you get an error message, just Google the error message and, and see who else has attacked this. And chances mm. are you'll find the answer. And some other tips are to not share the meeting link, obviously, or the yep. meeting code. Use different meeting codes for each meeting and um, then to use something like the waiting room and also not allow people to join before the person who's hosting the meeting. Why is that last one important? Uh, Well, if they're in there, uh, they can start, they can can kind of hide, if you like. But Mm. once you join, if you're the host of the meeting, you have control of who can come in and don't. But if they get in before that, they're in. And then you have yep. to work out how to get them out. So, so really, it is is go through all of those settings really quite quickly, um, and and they should be your defaults in Zoom anyway. Uh, set them up so that all meetings start that way, and and then you just won't have them coming in. And turning to other news, people are lighting mobile phone towers on fire in the UK. 
There is a conspiracy theory that COVID-19, the disease, and coronavirus, the virus, is man-made, that it's a deliberate biological warfare campaign uh, by the Chinese, although the, the myth says maybe it's Americans created it and they're trying to pin it on the Chinese, and it's about infecting us with a virus that can be triggered by 5G phone system towers because they're radiation. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, but there's more to it, right? <laughs> of course there's more to it. Because Wuhan was one of the first cities in China to have 5G rolled out <laughs> because it's a high-tech manufacturing city, but whatever. And there is a virus lab in Wuhan. So the two obviously go together. Uh, and it, it goes on and on. There is even a conspiracy theory that when they are testing 5G towers, that they have to turn them on once a week. Uh, and when they do that, they make a buzzing sound. And that's why in Britain, every Thursday night, they're getting everyone to clap for a minute for the healthcare workers to cover the sound of the 5G. You know, I can see why people might believe in this, but I, I don't think you can... Yeah, look, people get into all this and... and they start searching online and they they add one plus one equals five. I mean, and the Chinese propaganda is, is playing on this as well because in October last year in Wuhan, there was an international military games. So, you know, armies from around the world send people. It's a sporting contest, right? But because that was in Wuhan and Americans were there and it was one month before the... The, the virus was discovered. Oh, no, it means the Americans planted the virus in Wuhan. I thought, no, it's just a bunch of men and women went to do some athletics. <laughs> you know, um, and, and this belts it. So there's, there's conspiracies again uh, because Bill Gates is trying to uh, fund a vaccine. He's, he's done an interesting thing. He's actually building seven vaccine labs and production lines in the hope that one or two of them will produce the product and, well, you know, the rest. Uh, he, he considers that money well spent. Stilgarian speaking with me earlier today about the latest conspiracy theory. It's being spread far and wide by celebrities, but is not true. In case you're wondering, 5G networks are not causing a virus to activate, nor are they causing bats to spread a virus, which is another idea out there at the moment. For everyone's sanity, it would be great if everyone could fact-check info against official sources before sharing on social media, and maybe call out the people that aren't. And please... Don't burn down mobile phone towers. That's arson. It's a felony. Enough of me editorializing. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Eurovision 2020 was to be held in May in the Netherlands in Rotterdam at a venue called Eurovision Rotterdam 2020, yes, which was to take place Joy in Rotterdam, Eurovision has been cancelled. Yes, to speak about uh, what's happening with utter the devastation. Contest. My main reason for going on is gone. <laughs> and why did you go regularly? So I, I grew up uh, in a Nordic household. Uh, and for us, it was kind of, you know, the one time a year that we were good at something that wasn't Winter Olympics related. Uh, although my family's from Norway and we've come last more than any other country. Um, so I, I grew up thinking it was cool. I didn't get this sort of British Australian ironic appreciation of it. Uh, I genuinely thought it was something cool. Uh, and then I grew up in the country, so I 
extended that love to internet forums, eventually started writing about it. Um, and then as part of my master's internship, I didn't, I went to the Estonian version of the BBC and ended up getting hired as their head of press. And you've done that for a number of years, correct? Yeah, this was supposed to be my fifth year. So I, I guess next year is my fifth year. <laughs> what were some of the entries that really stood out this year? Um, there was uh, probably five songs that I w- would say would be competing for the top prize. Uh, Russia sent a... I couldn't quite tell whether they were serious or a parody, but they were being referred to as the Russian answer to D'Antford. Uh They were a band called Little Big with a English and Spanish... A uh, song called Uno, which sounded like uh, if you mixed the Tumblr page for uh, squatting slabs in tracksuits with Aqua, that's basically what that song was like. Um, <laughs> one, wait, one more time. If you mixed it with what? <laughs> uh, the the Tumblr page, uh, there's a Tumblr page dedicated to uh, Slavic men and women in tracksuits squatting in front of things. Uh, it's, it's like this... Uh, I don't know, like trope of photo- photography trope in Slavic countries. Uh, they like taking photos of themselves doing that. So it's it's like that mixed in with uh, with Aqua, <laughs> which is quite a sound. I believe uh, going into the contest, they were the fifth favorite to win. Um, favorites otherwise were Iceland, who had a sort of geeky '80s synth pop um, song, which I, I that was my tip to win. Um, Malta, who had like a little baby Aretha Franklin, who won the Junior Eurovision Song Contest in 2015. Um, Bulgaria, who had this melancholic Disney princess ballad, I guess. Um, and then the other one was Lithuania, who had um, this sort of funky pop song about not giving up on yourself, but with a really kooky dance routine. So uh, they were the front runners, and I'm devastated for uh, all of them except Russia because the other four hadn't won the contest before uh, with Iceland and Malta being two of the three countries in it for the longest without a win. Uh, So it it kind of feels like we've been robbed of one of the plucky younger small countries um, coming up and taking it. And there was a lot of controversy around the Russian entry. It had a really captivating video in which people just... The, their outfits and the way they dance just was hypnotic, but there's a little bit more to that story. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, not being a Russian speaker, but knowing a lot of Russian speakers, it was kind of hard to get the exact story. So um, back in 2017, the lead singer of the band posted a video of himself at Pride in Belgium saying what translated to is just really, really horrible stuff. And it was really really very homophobic, uh, very, you know, visceral language. And I was appalled watching it. However, a lot of my friends were saying that it wasn't, it was satirical and that they weren't being serious and that they've repeatedly spoken out in, um, as allies of the queer community. And that the reason they picked light blue, light pink and white as the color palette for their, uh, film clip for this song, Uno, was in support of trans rights. So it was kind of perplexing, um, but it still left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I think homo- uh, Russians parodying Russians by being super homophobic is not really a comedic hot take anyone needed. Uh, but, you know, 
it, it, I'm still a little bit on the fence about it, but uh, I will have to trust that their recent statements and actions uh, are, pos- are probably more true. But still, I didn't like it, and that made me feel uncomfortable about their entry. And there are the big five countries that contribute the most to the European Broadcasting Union, and they don't have to go through semifinals. So you, many people just see them on the the night of the finals. And among these are France and Italy, two countries that usually only speak in or usually only sing in French or Italian. And this year, the French actually had a French and English song, which is a huge departure for them. Well, they've actually been toying with this for a little while. I, I think uh, the, the there was a little bit of outrage from one of the uh, French culture ministers. Uh, and that's, I, I think, because there was a bit more English in this song than usual. Um but in 2008, they sent a song entirely in English uh, in which they had to change two lines to French later on just to appease uh, a similar uh, member of parliament. But yeah, this year they, they changed, they had a, uh, the chorus entirely in English. However, um, the, the singer Tom Leib released the, an updated version two days ago, which has more French in it. <laughs> which one do you think they would have sung on the night? Uh, he was definitely going with the um, more French version. It was also more of a slightly acoustic guitar-y version, which was more his style. The original version of the song they picked uh, sounded like sounded like a, when a 90s boy band member goes solo for the first time. It was like that sort of very anthemic uh, 90s male-driven pop. Uh, which was great in the 90s, but I don't think it was going to do very well at Eurovision. It wasn't being received well by fans. So I think uh, that prompted him to pivot and change to a version of the song that is more his style. And can he use the song from this year? Can anyone use the song from this year? At this point, no. Um, The European Broadcasting Union has kind of been a bit oddly stubborn about this. Um... Rules change all the time, and these are exceptional circumstances. So I I thought for sure um, that they were going to allow us to send the same songs next year, um, or at least have the option to send the same song next year. Um, but they have just sort of oddly come out and said, well, it's against the rules, um, which I find very odd. I mean, up until 1999, it was against the rules to sing in anything but your native language. They change the rules all the time, and this is not a regular year of Eurovision. Um, So I find it bizarre that they are not allowing certain countries to send the same songs next year. And that rule is something like uh, this song can't be performed publicly before a certain date in September. And isn't it designed to sort of make sure that everyone gets the same chance at, at radio play and having their song publicized? Yeah, it's it's designed. Yeah, it's September first, the year before, and it's designed to stop uh, stop some countries having an unfair advantage by sending something, you know, that is, was a big hit uh, a couple of years ago or something that's had much more time. But I mean, I I feel there's not really going to be an advantage of. I mean, we don't have a Eurovision this year, so I I don't think it would have been an issue to extend that out to make it any song for the 2021 Eurovision Song Contest can't have been heard before the September 1st, 2019. I mean, that's still not a huge amount of time. Um, And I know some countries um, 
actually, should I say, yeah, but Bulgaria um, are very outspoken because they want to send the same song. Um, and they spent a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of money picking this song and reworking it over and over. They did focus groups and did so much effort to pick this song. Um, and I think it, I think it is unfair on them. Um, and their singer Victoria, uh, for that song to just be thrown out based on a rule that only really applies for, uh, a regular year's contest. And you're talking about all of this on your show, Joy Eurovision, correct? Yes. Uh, at the at this point in time, um, we are still running through the national finals and uh, highlighting songs that didn't make focusing on Pabudom is Now Yao and Uden Musikan Kilpailu, which for those at home, are the Lithuanian and Finnish national selections. Um, I believe next week we are looking at Israel, Romania and Belarus. Um, and then in a couple of weeks' time, we will go through the semifinals and play every selected entry. Here, if you listen to Joy Eurovision, 6 p.m. on Saturdays, uh, you'll get to hear all the songs that would have gone to Eurovision. Never had the heart to pray And never thought I'd find a way But now I do Now I do Always felt I was no good, always felt misunderstood, but now I don't, now I don't, cause your great love is healing me when knowing me through and through, I am free to live, so I give you all of my life, like a river running wild, every brother, mother, child, now we found each other. Destiny, the Maltese entry for Eurovision 2020, singing All of My Love. That's it from the Informer Daily today. Thanks to Judy Kelly, Nicholas Kamenyusandri, Dee Mason, and Emily Johnson for their production assistance. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm your host, Arian Potts, saying mahalo.
Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.